This is Melanie Ake. Today on Everyday Leaders, you'll meet Kathleen Grimes, the Regional Manager at White's Residential and Family Services, a phenomenal organization built on servant leadership mindset. Helping others through difficult times takes a special kind of person, and they believe that the life you change by helping others may be your own. There are many people to thank for the visibility of the Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 new Airstream mobile podcast studio. Christie's Design and Sign, located in Greenwood, Indiana, is one of the companies. We chose to include Christie to help us create the right messaging and visibility for our new mobile studio. Christie's Design and Sign can help you with your graphic and messaging needs for many projects. If you want a company that goes above and beyond for your business needs, Choose Christie's Design and Sign. I'm really excited to share what's happening at Everyday Leaders. Go to everydayleaders.com. Subscribe to my website where you can learn strategies to become a leader in your own life. On the everydayleaders.com podcast page, you can connect to the guest of the 2019 Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit and listen to your favorite episodes of the Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. Now, if you're ready to take the next step and become a leader in your own life, go to my Everyday Leaders store, select the Life Strategies courses, corporate strategy workshops, or even personal coaching. Go to everydayleaders.com, subscribe, and keep up to date on all of our programs and valuable leadership lessons. Welcome to Everyday Leaders 50 and 50. Kathleen Grimes, thanks for joining the program today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we met, I always do this real quickly, we met at the Top Floor Women's Event down in Franklin, Indiana, and I uh, connected to you because you're the regional manager at White's Residential and Family Services, and I, I heard your story briefly, and I thought, man, I really want to bring you on Everyday Leaders so you can share what's happening uh, and how you're impacting the community. So thank you very much for coming and sharing your story. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, that was a great event. That was my first time at that Top Floor Women's uh, event, and it just the opened up a lot of doors for me. So that was a great experience, and I'm excited to get back there. It is a great experience, and Mindy Epstein is in charge of that. I'm going to drag her on this program someday because <laughs> I think what she's doing, you know, it's all about starting with a vision and connecting to things that you really feel like you can give impact to. And and so I think we as women try to connect that to our purpose so much. And, and so when we, uh, at, at their event, right, there were drawings for business cards. And so certain people get to get up and, and share what we do and why we do it. And you were one of those people. So as you introduced, hey, this is what I'm about, um, I thought, my gosh, so many people, <laughs> you know, wonder what can I do to give back to the community? So 
tell me, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, what you're doing, what your role is, and, um, and, and so what your locations and things are so we can help. Yeah, so Weiss Residential and Family Services is a um, foster care agency in and around um, the state of Indiana. So we um, have local offices really kind of all over the state of Indiana, and we've been doing it for, for you know, long time, forever, 160 years. And um, we foster, uh, we license and recruit foster parents, and then we um, place children in those foster homes and through that uh, then we do case management services once those kids are in uh, the foster home so we provide the easiest way to say that is we provide support for foster families and then kids in those foster homes Mm -hmm. Uh, so I manage our Indianapolis office and also our Columbus office so and in those two offices I um, really support foster families and kids. It's about, um, I, I think it's probably close to about 15 counties. It might be more than that. Um, so we cover a lot of counties in just those two regional offices. Mm-hmm. And what would you say, and I've, I've not experienced, you know, foster care myself or, um, or really know a lot of people that have experienced that, but stories that people tell me, right? It can make a big impact in their life for as a Mm -hmm. provider or as a child that's going through this because, you know, services like yours give kids and families this opportunity to connect and make impact for really difficult situations, right? And and so it's such a needed service, you know, when you fall upon yourself or or when you know someone, um, having that ability to say, hey, I know how I can connect you. I know how we can, you know, um, make things a little bit different, right? The outcomes are always Mm -hmm. the things that uh, we want to try to make better for people. Um, So when you, what your process is, um, how do you all, you know, reach out to the community? What's the process for uh, accepting uh, foster families uh, that want to provide, you know, services for the kids? Yeah, so just first I'll start off by saying that it's a big need. So sometimes people don't even know that it's such a big need in the state of Indiana. So um, at the peak of last year, there were over 17,000 kids in Indiana's foster care system, just in the state of Indiana. So that is an outlandish number. Um, At this point, we are, uh, the state is functioning more about 13,000 to 14,000 kids in foster care. So we've decreased our number, which is great, but still that's, you know, 13 to 14,000 kids in foster care is uh, ridiculous for a state. So, um, and so the state of Indiana, just having to carry that burden is very difficult. So then they work with private agencies. So White's Residential Family Services, we're one of those agencies. There's there's actually about um, 72 between all regional offices across the state of Indiana, about 72 private agencies. So there's, there's a way to get involved. (laughs) Um, And so what we do as an agency, um, we reach out um, in the communities, we'll go to farmers markets, we'll go to libraries, we'll go to churches, we'll go to all the different things that we think we can connect with people um, that want to help and love on children. And we will, uh, you know, walk them through that process of becoming foster parents. Truly, it's just word of mouth and getting out there and telling people, hey, there's a need. And if you 
um, love children and you want to make an impact in the lives of kids that um, are needing safety and stability, um, we would love to come alongside you and do that. What would you say the typical age range is of the kids in foster care? Is it just a variety? Yeah, so it's uh, for sure a variety. People actually usually don't know. So we, myself, I recently within the last couple of months, I've placed um, infants from the day they were born. So I placed three-day-old baby. Once they got out of the hospital, they came into our foster homes um, all the way up to we have 18-year-olds currently in some of our foster homes kids can actually stay in foster care until they're 21 and they're working on legislation right now to actually change that to 23 Uh, just so kids are aging out of the system when they hit 18 and then becoming um, homeless and and on the streets and another statistic so um, the I would say the biggest area of just need for foster care is sibling groups um, and getting kids that have lots of siblings. Because you think usually people will say, I think I could open my home up to a four-year-old. But then saying, hey, well, will you open up your home to that four-year-old, their seven-year-old sister, and their 12-year-old brother mm-hmm. is, uh, is a harder pill to swallow for most people. And so then just working alongside of those families to see, hey, is that actually a feasible option for your home? Um, can you actually take a sibling group of three? And if you can boy is there a need and we would love um to help you uh you know figure out how what that looks like for your family in your home mm-hmm. when when a family decides if they've never gone through something like this what kind of uh, what what kind of teaching what kind of support systems do you guys have to you know integrate a family to learn what that's about or the process yeah so just across the state of indiana there is um a a statewide training, it's called RAPT training, which stands for Resource and Adoptive Parent Training. And there's three of those classes. So there's RAPT 1, RAPT 2, and RAPT 3 training. And every person that wants to be a foster parent in the state of Indiana has to go through that training, whether they come through whites, they go through the state, they go through a different agency, they have to go through that training. And that training is really, it's a lot, it's 10 hours of training, but it's also not a lot if you're only getting 10 hours of training and then you're gonna drop a kid off at my house that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. So uh, that those training cover DCS, which is the Department of Child Services, the Department of Child Services policies um, and the, the different things that they do and the makeup of that system um, and the government and how that all functions. And then you go into attachment and how to, care for and uh, for the birth families who are the ones that uh, have caused some type of uh, abuse or neglect and caused the children to come into foster care mm-hmm. um, and or and different ways to discipline uh, effectively for children that have never been in your home so it kind of covers a whole um, array of different things and but again it's 10 hours which 10 hours doesn't really tell you much of anything to, in the grand scheme of entering a uh, the system and how having a new child just dropped on from your doorstep. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the general um, thing that is required of all foster families. Um, but there's also a, a kind of a home study process, and that is three weeks of us coming to people's houses, and sometimes it can be longer, but usually it's about three weeks, and we come out once a week, and we are there for a couple of hours interviewing. 
um, the foster family kind of building a relationship with them saying hey if we're putting another child's home you know another family's child in your home we want to make sure that you're actually a safe home and that you're actually able to do this so mm -hmm. we talk with that we get to know our families so then we can say hey you really say that you want to work with 12 year old boys based on the assessment of your house and kind of how we've worked with we really think that you would do much better with eight-year-old girls mm -hmm. uh, and so we kind of build relationships and it's all it's all kind of a relational concept so I like to tell people when you're getting in foster care you want to make sure you're going with an agency and you're going with people that you feel like you have a connection with mm -hmm. um, and people that you feel like you can uh, kind of fight the battle of foster care with you know it's a, it's a journey for sure it's not a straight uh, shot there's there's a lot of twists and turns in this uh, journey of foster care for for everyone involved well and I think about you know the parents that do have the big hearts right the people that have never mm -hmm been able to have kids or they're or they're empty nesters and they want to still give back mm -hmm. and so for many of these uh, people do they have you know maybe kids from different homes you know so not sibling um, placement but do can they continue to be foster parents again and again and and maybe I guess a great question is how long do placements typically uh, last yeah so the state average for at this point last I checked was probably a month or two ago so it could technically have changed a little bit but the state average for kids to be in foster care is about 616 days or somewhere around there so really you're looking at like a year and a half almost two years right Wow. Um, it's kind of the average length of time for kids to stay in care a couple of years ago it was more about like a year so we've kind of added on about a half of a year on to that and uh, so yeah kids are just staying in care longer and just that just means if you are a foster parent then you're opening your home up for longer mm -hmm. to kids mm -hmm. and then really what determines that they move back into it's more of an adoption process right so if they or if they move out or if they grow out of um, that foster care by age right mm -hmm. so how that kind of goes is so it's it's a it's a long tedious process, but I'll try to make it as clear as I can. <laughs> uh, when you're working with a with a government system, sometimes things are a little wonky. But mm -hmm. the the easiest way to say it is, um, if a kid has not in care, if has been in care, so been in the foster care system, mm -hmm. 15 out of the last 22 months of their life. So whatever, however old they are, if they've been in foster care 15 out of the last 22 months then they actually, the state requires that the Department of Child Services um, a, go to a judge and say, hey, they've been in care for 15 out of the last 22 months, so we are going to consider terminating their parental rights um, of the parents. And so if, and if a judge says, yeah, that we should change the plan from reunification with the birth family um, and so then we're going to work towards adoption, then the plan would change to adoption. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes that happens right then there at that 15-month mark. Other times it's, you know, three or four years down the road because the parents have just been hanging on and just be, been kind of doing enough. Um, so I like to say it's the, the, the state kind of has 
this crisis because of the drug epidemic that's happening. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is a parent will get, will get on track and they'll start doing um, all the things that they need to do. And so we're cheering them on. We're, we're so excited. It looks like the kids are going to get to go home. And then right before they go home, they might relapse. So then we'll go back to a court hearing. And during that court hearing, um, the judge will say, well, we're not going to go send the kids home because you relapsed. Mm -hmm. So then we kind of start the whole process again over. And so we'll go through it and we'll cheer the parents on. And we're, we're you know, praying that they're going to do well and um, then they might relapse again. So sometimes kids can just stay in care for an awful long time. Um, before they get some some permanency, whether that's they get to go back and have reunification with their family or whether that's they uh, change the permanency plan to adoption. Wow. And they find their forever home. That's really tough. So how many of these 13,000 kids that are still waiting, you know, for families or for placement, so they live in, in the, um, you know, the provided facility, but what does that look like for them? Like how... How long is that typically before they find a placement? So this, so when kids are removed from their birth families, it can be at any point in time, right? So it can be at 3 a.m. or it can be at 2 p.m., right? So you can, you kind of, the, the Department of Child Services will remove children when they feel that it's necessary and have to go get a, a court order to make sure that that is um, what's needed in emergency situations. So when they remove those um, kids from their birth families, um, hopefully they just call up one of the agencies and they're able to place them in the agency within hours. That's always the goal. Like, hey, uh, they'll send text messages out, they'll send emails out that say, hey, we need a placement for this child or this sibling group, and do you have a foster home that will meet the needs? Mm -hmm. um, and so if we say yes, then they bring the kid over and you can have that kid within you know, an hour of saying, yes, I'll take a kid, which is you can imagine as a foster family that can really change your life upside down real quick. Mm -hmm. um, but if they can't find a home, the state of Indiana, um, specifically in Marion County, but in other regions as well, um, we they have emergency shelters, which are what we call them. And so kids will go there and it's exactly what you think of. It's shelter care. It's very much a, a empty kind of blank room with the cots or um, bunk beds and the kids just have to sleep in them until we can find a foster home that for them to be in wow um, and if worse comes the worst and the emergency shelters are, are full um, or it's a it's in a region where there's not really a close emergency shelter then they just have to sleep on the floor of the department of child services office and for a night until they uh, find a, a home so if you can imagine being a kid you know, seven being removed from your families and then you go to a strange office building and having to sleep in a cubicle, that would not be the best option. So that's kind of um, what it's like sometimes. We, we try to eliminate that and that's why we're always trying to get new foster families so we can make sure that kids aren't having to sleep on the floor in office buildings or aren't having to stay in emergency shelters and they can actually be in family settings. Wow. What a powerful message you have, Kathleen. This is, you know, when I think about people that are looking for ways or looking to connect or looking to make impact, you know, scheduling time to be interviewed, to do a 10-hour class, you know, that doesn't take a lot of effort uh, to be able to help and impact our community at all, does mm -hmm. it? 
No, it's really we try to make this process as smooth as we can when we get families that want to be foster families. But truly, there's there's other ways to give. Um, so whether that's we're going to collect supplies for foster families, we're going to, you know, it's Christmas time is approaching. Who knows? That, that's so close. It's, I don't even want to talk about it. But mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Christmas is approaching soon. So we want to always make sure that we can uh, give extra blessings to our foster families and our kids in foster care. Um, around Christmas time, so um, whether that's collect and doing a tro- toy drive for our foster kids. Um, last year we had a, a whole UPS station that did a whole toy drive for our foster kids, and so they were able to give uh, extra gifts to our foster kids. Or whether that's getting hygiene kits for when a kid's first removed, and so making sure that our teenagers can have deodorant or have a toothbrush, because um, when they're removed from a home, sometimes they come with nothing. So just being able to have some of those little things that, hey, you're, you're a person, we love you, we care about you, and uh, here's a simple gesture of something that we can provide for you as a kid entering the foster care system. Maybe that's a teddy bear, maybe that's a blanket. And so collecting those things, um, collecting, I always like to talk about gas cards. Our foster parents sometimes have to drive way too far to get kids to and from doctor's appointments or visitations with their parents or their other siblings because they might have siblings placed in two or three different foster homes and so that cost can can kind of drive up your gas bill uh that you weren't potentially expecting your budget to be for your for your automobile gas and so um gas cards are a huge thing that we like to be able to give our foster families so there's just a lot of different ways that you can love on foster families and foster kids Um, You can become a respite provider, which just means, hey, I'm going to be licensed, but I'm not going to take long-term placements. I'm going to take short-term placements to help foster families when they need a break. Mm -hmm. And so there's a a lot of options. We really like to make sure that we can somehow get people involved. If if there's a way that someone wants to get involved, we'll try to make it happen. That's that's an amazing journey. I want to ask you, how did you get involved in this? Because this isn't something where you say, you know, I I just don't like my job, and by the way, I'm going to go and get into foster care. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, your heart yeah. is just totally behind this. So, talk to me more about where where you where your passion is. Yeah, I have a I like to say it's a long journey that led me to where I am. So. I, uh, growing up, my aunt was a foster parent. So when I was a kid, uh, you know, elementary school age, I remember foster kids being at all the Christmases, all of my birthday parties. And so truly just growing up in, um, with foster kids around, you just become empathetic mm-hmm. um, to, the, to kids and their needs. And uh, so you get to see their struggles and you're always like, why is you're seven? And you're like, why is that kid so angry? I'm not angry. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you kind of start processing those things. So that kind of was the started my path. Um, And then I like to say uh, when I was a teenager, I went through those typical teenage, um, I don't know that typical is the word, but um, typical, uh, you know, teenage stressors and had to be in therapy and and needed a lot of extra support that I wasn't finding with the people around me. And that led me to go, I want to help teenagers. I don't want teenagers to feel the way I have felt in my life. 
And so that just led me to go to college and just really it's an interesting how uh, God just kind of had a plan for me and he opened up my, the doors and here I am, a social worker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I didn't really make a, I didn't make a plan for this, but there, there for sure was a plan that things kind of happened in my life in succinct ways that this is, this is where I've been, uh, you know, I have, I have arrived at this moment to, uh, uh, to be at White's and um, to love on foster kids in this capacity as, as a manager. But I've worked in foster care for eight years now, going on uh, nine years. So I've been doing this at this point, um, which doesn't seem like a long time, but in social work, I'm like ancient. <laughs> So uh, being somewhere for eight years in in other jobs is like you're still a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but in foster care and social work, uh, if you last about uh, longer than a year or two, you're you're an old timer. Mm-hmm. So the uh-huh. the national averages for social workers are um, they get burnt out and leave the field within two years because it's just a high stress job. Um, uh, hard on your heart and hard on your emotions to keep going and powering through every day. So Mm -hmm. I I get up every day and hope I'm doing good, and that's kind of what I keep thinking, that I can impact the life of one kid. And though I might get discouraged sometime, it's uh, I got to do it for the kids. If If I'm not here to love on these kids and love on our foster families and help support my staff, then I don't know who else will do it. So. So I'm here. It's a commitment. You know, the journey Mm -hmm. that you've experienced in in leadership, you know, we talk a lot about this when we go back and think about our stories and what's impacted our own life and and creating the success and then the significance. So, you know, really thinking about your journey, how you experienced that so now you can help others through it. uh, That is so critical to why maybe you haven't, burned out in the typical two years, Mm -hmm. right? Because it is, it's kind of your mission. It's your passion. It's your purpose. And, and so for you naturally to be able to give back, to pour your heart and soul into, you know, creating um, an environment for kids that, and families to understand the process and, and then not be so scary because I can only imagine, I do have a friend that has a story about being in foster care her, her, during her life. And, and I think about, you know, when, when she was removed, um, she tells a story about having a trash bag, you know, and a yes. toothbrush. And, and I think, my gosh, if you just close your eyes, how scary that is for not only the kid, you know, coming and having somebody unknown remove them from a home, but what that must have felt like before the removal, you know, the pain and the stress and the anxiety. And so, so many of, of the kids today, right, there's so many programs now after um, they experience this that uh, really to get back involved in the community uh, and to become part of society uh, because it's, it is different, you know, and, and you don't yes. really know what's been going on and how you can help. Um, but foster parents are so critical uh, to to help, you know, just add that little bit of value. And as you say, 13,000 kids are today waiting. That's a crazy number to think about yes. in Indiana. 
Yes, yeah, you get 13,000 kids in foster care at this point in Indiana, and they're just as, I mean, I think it's even if you just go nationwide, I think it's like half of a million kids in uh, the country, um, they are waiting for finding their forever home. So they're not even just in foster care, they're ready and waiting for to find an adoptive family. Wow. So in the state of Indiana, yeah, we have 13,000 kids in foster care, but as a whole, as a nation, we have over about half a million kids that are just waiting to find a family to adopt them. Wow. Wow. What a powerful story you have. And, you know, what's the best way for us, um, for listeners, to be able to help you, to help the organization, um, just to, to give if someone's out there and says, hey, I want to write a check because I think I can impact with, you know, I can't help physically, but I can help financially. Uh, tell us how to do that. Yeah, so the easiest way to just get general information, I like to plug our, the website would be um, if you go to fosterlovenow.com. That will just give you a straight link to the foster care part of our website. So that's fosterlovenow.com. Um, and then anyone can uh, always just call our local uh, Indianapolis office, and those number, that number is the 317-577-5948. That's 317-577-5948, and that's our uh, Indianapolis regional office. And I can direct people to, to anywhere else that they would like to give in foster care. Um, I, I have a lot of people that call me from different states. They'll call me from Ohio. I just talked to someone probably about a month ago from Tennessee that was having questions about foster care and um, getting kids some help. And so I, I myself am always happy um, to, even if you're not in the state of Indiana um, and you can't feel like you can be a foster parent, I'm happy to give you other ways to get involved in foster care um, in your area. Wow. Well, you are an amazing woman, let me tell you, and I'm so glad that we both took that journey to go to the Top Floor Women's Meeting for the first time. Yes, and, and we connected because thank you to Mindy for hosting that. Uh, and now see what we're doing. We're helping educate uh, people all around the world and especially about Hoosiers that can add value and help with um, with your organization, with the White's Residential yes. and Family Services. Yes. So. Kathleen, thank you so much. It's been such a joy, and thank you for being and stepping up and being an everyday leader in life. Yes, thank you so much. I'm so glad that I just got the chance to share with you. So this was amazing. It's awesome. This so thanks so much for having me on. You're very welcome. Have a great 2019, Kathleen. You too. Hi, I'm Melanie Ake with Everyday Leaders. I wanted to invite you to join my leadership class. It's Life Strategies 101, where I'm gonna take you through the everyday 15 laws of growth. It's an amazing journey. It's 15 weeks with me as your personal coach. Join me, everydayleaders.com, and sign up today.